0: Yeah, that is the theme of this sermon series because God is faithful and I gotta tell you guys, like I said last week, I am more excited right now about God's faithfulness and future faithfulness to this church than I've ever been in the 18 years of Harbor's existence. And most of the reason is because of what I see God doing through you guys. Let me give you just one example of that, Christmas conspiracy. During the month of December, we challenge you guys to give and receive a little less during Christmas so that we could be more generous to the people around us. And let me tell you, you guys were pretty stinking generous. You gave $23,553. Let's praise God for you and God working through you. Yeah, that's epic. And that money is already going to work. Uh, There's a six-year-old girl from Maui who lost both of her parents immediately following the fire. Now she's staying with a Christian family here on Oahu, and you are helping them take care of her. Uh, There's folks right here in Kaka'ako, a family here who lost two people in their family and they were struggling to make rent. They were about to get evicted. You helped them stay in their house. There's folks who are trying to break out of substance addictions. You are helping them enter treatment programs. There's seniors at McKinley High, just a block away who want to go to college and can't afford college. And so next year, you're going to help them be able to go to college and become the first people in their families to go to college. So there's amazing things that God is doing through you. Yeah. Every one of those people is hearing that our generosity towards them is only because of God's generosity towards us, particularly when he sent his one and only son to die for us on the cross. So let's pray for these tangible physical gifts to end up being a monstrously big spiritual gift that we can give to this community. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for the generosity that you have inspired in your people. Lord, thank you for the ways that that generosity is already going to work. And Lord, we pray that you would bring to completion the work that you've started in the lives of the people who will be impacted by these gifts. Lord, we want to bless. We want to serve. We want to make their lives easier and and more livable. But most especially, Lord, we want their lives to be more significant and meaningful because of a new relationship that they are able to develop with Jesus Christ. And so we pray that they would see not just the generosity of a group of people, but the generosity of the one true living God and the son that he sent. Lord, may Jesus be glorified. Here in Kaka'ako, across Oahu, across Hawaii and around this world. May Jesus be glorified, and it's in his name we pray, amen. So it's true, I'm more excited, I'm more hopeful, I'm more expectant right now than I've ever been in in all the 18 years since we planted harbor. And I think it's probably a little bit of the anticipation that the Israelites felt as they were about to enter the promised land. I feel a little giddy right now. And I feel like that's a little bit what they were feeling. And that's what we're gonna see today in the book of Joshua. So if you got your Bible, open to Joshua chapter three. Joshua three. And as you're turning there, let me ask you, what is something that you are anticipating in your life? What's something coming up that you just can't wait for? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's finishing school. Maybe it's starting a new career. Maybe it's buying a house. Maybe it's having kids. Maybe it's having grandkids. Maybe it's some epic trip that you've got planned. There's something in your life that's coming up in the next few years that you just can't wait for. Well, what if you had to wait for it for 40 years? 40 years. Imagine the buzz that you would feel when that day finally came and you saw it happen. That's what we're about to see Israel experience. Except technically, they've been waiting 440 years it was way long before this when God first came to Abraham and told him he was going to multiply his family so there'd be more spiritual sons and daughters than the stars in the sky and the number of grains of sand on the beach. He promised Abraham he was going to give them land in Canaan as their inheritance. Then he sent them to Egypt for 400 years, let them chill out there, but then he delivered them out of Egypt. He delivered them from slavery, brought them across the wilderness, took them all the way to the promised land, showed it to them, said, look at this, it's amazing. You're gonna thrive here. This is all for you. And they took one look at it and they were like, yeah, look, looks like it's gonna be a lot of work to go into that place. So God's like, okay, if you don't want it right now, I'll let you chill in the wilderness a little bit longer. I'll come back to you in a few years. Now it's 40 years later. The whole generation of people who passed on the promised land before, they're all gone. All the boomers and Gen Xers like me, they're all gone, okay? Along with their Facebook rants and their email forwards, they're all gone. Now it's just the new generation of millennials and and, and TikToking Gen Zers, okay? They've been Snapchatting about the promised land for 40 years, and now God's brought them right to the front porch of the promised land. These kids, they've been dreaming about milk and honey. They've been hearing about this milk and honey. They've been dreaming about it for 40 years. Kind of like I've been dreaming about In-N-Out Burger coming to Hawaii for 40 years. My dream is never gonna happen, but theirs is. Look at what happens in Joshua 3, starting in verse 1. It says Joshua started early the next morning. He left the Acacia Grove with all the Israelites. They went as far as the Jordan, and they stayed there before crossing. Okay, so this is the moment they've been waiting for. They can see the promised land right in front of them. It's right across the river. Problem is, there's no way to get across the river. So verse 2, after three days, just hanging out on the banks there, after three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. Because the Ark of the Covenant, that's where God made himself visible. You've seen the Ark of the Covenant if you ever saw Indiana Jones, but I wanna just revive your memory a little bit. I'll give you a picture here. This is the Ark of the Covenant. It's a box, about four feet long, two feet wide, two feet high, and God resides in that box. It is his place of dwelling. He he resides right between those two angels. So this is a symbol of God's presence. It's also a symbol of his holiness because the stone tablets where his law is written, those are inside the box. It's a symbol of God's justice. Whenever there's a dispute between Israelites, they resolve it in front of the ark. But more than any of that, this ark, it's a symbol of God's mercy. Because once a year, an animal is killed by the high priest of Israel, and that animal is symbolically taking the punishment that all of the people of Israel deserve for their sin, And what the high priest does is he takes the blood of that animal and he sprinkles it on top of the covering of the ark. That's called the mercy seat. So the ark of the old covenant is pointing forward to the new covenant where Jesus Christ takes the punishment for all our sins once and for all through his sacrifice of blood. This ark, it symbolizes everything about God, his power, his justice, his mercy. And so God wants his people to follow it, to look to it, to depend on it, all as a symbol of their dependence on God. So look at what it says in verse four. He says, keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Don't go near it so that you can see the way to go. If you haven't traveled this way before. Why would he want the ark to be a 1,000 yards ahead of everyone? It's so that it can be seen by everyone. God wants every single one of his people to see where he's going. Because he's going new places. He's doing new things. You cannot expect God to just keep doing the same thing over and over again. You're going to get left behind if you don't step back, get some perspective, and look to see where God's going. Kind of like Wayne Gretzky used to say, the greatest hockey player who ever lived, used to say, you can't skate to where the puck is. You got to skate to where the puck is going to be. That's what God's saying here. Except in this case, it's where the ark is going to be because it says in verse five, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. You're gonna see things you've never seen before. And so you gotta be prepared for that. He says, you gotta consecrate yourself. Prepare yourself, prepare your body, your mind, your soul for this experience. Kind of like going to dinner at 100 sales. You ever been to dinner there, that legendary epic buffet at 100 sales? Man, if you're going to dinner there, you gotta prepare for that experience, okay? You gotta prepare a meal plan for that day. You can't eat too much before dinner. You gotta have plenty of space in your tummy to fill up that night. You gotta prepare a wardrobe plan for that day. You gotta have stretchy waistband going on because it's gonna stretch out a few inches with all of that crab and sashimi and prime rib you're gonna be eating. Okay, you gotta prepare yourself for that experience. Now, multiply that experience by about a million and that's what the Israelites are about to experience. So verse six. Joshua said to the priests, carry the Ark of the Covenant and go on ahead of the people. And so they carried the Ark of the Covenant and went ahead of them. The Lord spoke to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I proved I was with Moses when I parted the Red Sea, but all these millennials and TikTok and Gen Zers, they didn't see it. And so I'm gonna prove that I'm with you in kind of the same way. Verse eight, command the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the water, stand in the Jordan. Stand in the Jordan. Later on, we're going to find out this is the rainy season, which means that the Jordan River is completely flooded right now. It's not a nice, calm, easygoing river. It is an angry, raging river right now. So you got to ask yourself, God's had 400 and some years to get his people across this river into the promised land. He could have done it any time. Why is he choosing right now to do it? Right now, right here. I mean, he could have taken them over in the dry season. He could have taken them up upstream where the, the, the river would be a lot more calm, but he brought them to the place where the river is boiling. So imagine you're one of the Israelites right now, standing there looking down at this raging river, just wondering to yourself, how am I gonna get across this river with my pregnant wife, with my three little kids? Not to mention my sheep, my oxen, my iPhone. It's just an iPhone 11, okay? It's not very waterproof. I don't know how I'm gonna get all this stuff across. Are we gonna build rafts? What if my raft starts to sink? What if one of my kids starts to float away? Do I swim after that kid and leave the family behind? Or do I stay with the family and let the kid go? Those are the kind of nightmare scenarios that are going on in your head as you look down at this angry river. So why is God putting his people through this? He could have done this with a lot less danger, lot less drama. Why would he... Why would he choose the most difficult location at the most dangerous time to get 2 million Israelites across the Jordan River? Here's why. Because he wants his people to be desperately dependent on him for everything. The first step in entering the promised land is getting across this river. And so God wants the very first step to show them that they're desperately dependent on his power and his grace and his provision for every step, every step that's coming. That's why he's making the very first step really hard. Family, you ever wonder why life is really hard sometimes? Just unexplainably hard. Like, even the little things that should be easy, for some reason, they're just hard sometimes. Yeah, now you know why. Now you know why. Sometimes God makes the little things hard, so you'll learn to lean on Him for the big things. Verse 9 Joshua told the Israelites, Come closer. Listen to the words of the Lord your God. He said, you'll know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly dispossess before you the Canaanites, Hethites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites when the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth goes ahead of you into the Jordan. You're gonna receive everything I promise you, but it's only because I'm going before you. And so verse 12, choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe. When the feet of the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of the whole earth, you notice he's repeated that twice. I'm not just your God. I'm God of everybody, God of everything. When they come to rest in the Jordan's water, its water will be cut off. The water flowing downstream will stand up in a mass. Imagine seeing that. Imagine. You've been wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years. And you've heard stories from your parents about how God parted the Red Sea, how he turned the Nile River into blood, but you never saw any of that. They're just stories to you. And so now you're hearing what God is about to do and you're getting really stoked, man. God promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us. And now he's gonna prove it to us. He's gonna hold back this raging river so that me and my kids and my iPhone can all make it across. This is gonna be amazing. He's going to show that he is the living God, not like the dead stone gods that everybody else worships. Here's the thing. You're never going to see the living God work wonders as long as you keep worshiping dead gods like comfort, security, pleasure. Those gods might deliver for you for a little while few days, few weeks, maybe a few years, maybe. But eventually, they won't satisfy you anymore. You'll realize they're dead. And so you might just move on to the next God. Just move from God to God to God. We're always looking for the easiest way, the safest way, the most comfortable way, the most pleasurable way. But when we go that way, when we worship dead gods, we're gonna miss out. We're never gonna see the one true living God work wonders. And we wanna see God work wonders, right? Let me ask that again. We wanna see God work wonders, right? Okay, yeah, thank you. We do, we really do. And Joshua given us a little bit of a strategy here for how to see God work wonders. You wanna see the one true living God work wonders in your life? Here's how, first Trust is tactics. Trust is tactics. Another way to say that would be trust the process, okay? If you ever played sports, you ever had a personal trainer, they probably said something like that. Trust the process. I know you don't want to do 100 burpees and 100 pop squats right now, but you got to trust the process. You got to trust that I know what I'm doing. You got to trust that I know where I'm taking you. That's what God's saying right here. He has chosen the most difficult location and the most dangerous time to get 2 million people across the Jordan River. My process would probably not be the same as that process, but God loves to deliberately make life difficult so that we'll learn to trust him. He loves to do that. I mean, think about it. When you're running late for a meeting, have you ever noticed how God loves to make every stoplight red? You ever notice that? Is that just me? He loves to do that. When you gotta wake up early the next morning and you gotta be on it, you gotta be on your game. There's something important you gotta do. Have you ever noticed how God loves to choose that night to keep you up all night with like emergency road construction right outside your window or a cat in heat who sounds like it's dying right outside your window? God loves to do stuff like that. And why is that? Because he wants us to know that only he can deliver us. Only he can provide for us. And he'll do it his own way on his own timeline. So if you wanna see God work wonders, trust his tactics. But then number two, prepare yourself. Prepare yourself. Like he said in verse five, you gotta consecrate yourselves. The last time God told his people to consecrate themselves was when Moses was going up Mount Sinai. He was gonna bring down the law. The Ten Commandments, the first real insight that people had into the heart of God, the character of God, the will of God for them. It was an epic, amazing thing that he was about to do. So he wanted them to be prepared. When something big is coming, we gotta prepare ourselves. Kind of like going to Hanama Bay. You used to be able to just walk into Hanama Bay, right? Not anymore. I've got a 90-year-old next-door neighbor who told me that when he was a kid, he would just walk into Hanama Bay, spear a turtle, and then bring it home for his mom to cook for dinner. That was like twice a week. That was their, their weekly thing. Definitely can't do that anymore. When you go to Hanama Bay, I know I haven't been forever, but I've heard that you gotta watch a whole video that's like four hours long, and you gotta prepare yourself for everything that you were about to experience in there. Nobody likes that, right? We don't want to prepare for things. We just want to do things. That's how we are, especially when it comes to God. We just want to show up for church, get our spiritual fix, and then move on. How much do you prepare yourself for the wonders that God might work on Sunday morning? I'll bet you, I'll bet you that you prepare more for work on Monday morning then you prepare for God to show up on Sunday morning. If you want to see God do amazing things on Sunday, you got to start preparing Saturday night. You got to watch what you are putting in front of your eyes. Be careful what you watch on Netflix on Saturday night. Prepare your soul. Be careful what you eat and especially what you drink on Saturday night to prepare your body. Go to bed early. So you can prepare your mind so it's rested and ready to see God move. If you wanna see God work wonders, you gotta prepare yourself. And then you gotta expect awesome. Expect awesome, because God is a God who works wonders. I know sometimes it's hard to expect awesome, because when we see God work one way for a while, we just expect him to work the same way forever. Man, after 40 years eating manna in the wilderness, you probably wouldn't be expecting milk and honey tomorrow. But Joshua said, you got to prepare yourself because God is going to work wonders tomorrow. And then the tomorrow after that, and the tomorrow after that, and the tomorrow after that. Family, delivering them across the Jordan River, that's just the first wonder. We're going to see in this book, we're going to see him deliver the whole land of Canaan to them with an Ark leading the way, carried by 12 unarmed priests. How does that make any sense in a battle plan? It's not SEAL Team 6 leading the way. It's not the Army Rangers leading the way. It's 12 flabby guys who look like me leading the way into this battle, okay? Why is God doing that? To show the Israelites, it is not your power that's going to accomplish this. It's my power. It's always God's power but that doesn't mean you can just kick back. Because God said to the priests in verse eight, when you reach the edge of the water, you gotta step down into that water. Step down into that raging river. It's just one step, but it is one hairy, audacious step they gotta take. So if you wanna see God work wonders, number four, you gotta lean forward. You gotta be like those priests. They had to step down into this boiling, murky water. They didn't know what they were stepping into. They could have stepped into a hole, lost their footing, fell down, gotten swept out to wherever that river was going. They didn't know, but they had faith that God was going to stop that water. And so they leaned forward into his power. Kind of like those knuckleheads that I've heard about who go up to the poly lookout when the trade winds are really pumping and climb up on the railing and lean out into the wind. I don't know if you've heard about that. It's crazy. The only thing holding them up, the only thing keeping them from falling a thousand feet down is the wind that they're leaning out into. Now, I know that God is definitely not calling you to lean forward that way, but I'm pretty sure that God is calling you to lean forward in at least one other way. There is something that God is calling you to lean forward in. Maybe it's a difficult relationship. Maybe it's a risky ministry. There's something. There's something that you're gonna have to put a foot down into without knowing exactly what you're stepping into. You're just gonna have to put a foot down into that muddy, raging water and trust God to hold back the flood. Because here's the thing. If you wanna see God work, number five, no spectating. No spectating. That's why Joshua told the Israelites to choose one man for every tribe. Every tribe. Because two million Israelites can't all step into the Jordan all at the same time. It's just physically impossible. But 12 guys who represent all two million people can so, if you're the average Israelite, you're standing there on the bank watching your uncle or your cousin or your second cousin's husband step down into that water. You're just as tense and nervous as he is. You're not going to be a passive spectator. You're going to have skin in the game, you're going to have a vested interest in what happens. So, let's see what happens. Verse 14. It says, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carried the Ark of the Covenant ahead of the people. Now, the Jordan overflows its banks throughout the harvest season. This river is raging. But as soon as the priests carrying the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water at its edge, and the water flowing downstream stood still rising up in a mass that extended as far as Adam, a city next to Zarathon, The water flowing downstream into the sea of the Arabah, the Dead Sea, was completely cut off, and the people crossed opposite Jericho. Adam, that was a city that was about 20 miles upstream from Jericho. And so what it's saying is God provided 20 miles of dry land for the Israelites to walk across. 20 miles. Even so, it's probably got to take at least a couple hours to get two million people across. And so verse 17, the priests carrying the Ark of the Lord's Covenant stood firmly on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, probably for hours, while all Israel crossed on dry ground until the entire nation had finished crossing the Jordan. All two million of them who got to see God deliver them, who got to see God work wonders, Because guess what? That's what our God does. Not just when the Jordan River is in front of us. Not just when the Red Sea is in front of us. God is always working wonders. That's what it says in Psalm 77. Look at what it says. You are the God who works wonders all the time. You revealed your strength among the peoples. With power, you redeemed your people. The water saw you, God. The water saw you and it trembled. Yeah, the raging rivers, they tremble when they see God. They run away when they see God coming because there's nothing that can stand in the way of his plan, nothing. Now, we gotta be clear about something here. I don't wanna give you the wrong impression. When God puts a river in front of you, you can't just put a foot in and expect him to stop the water every time. You can't expect that. Sometimes God puts a river in your way because he doesn't want you to go that way, okay? That's just the reality. In Acts 16, Paul wanted to go to Asia, but it says the spirit prevented him. And then he tried to go to Bithynia, but the spirit prevented him again. So when you've got a river blocking you, you can't just jump in the water and expect God to stop it. Because I mean, what if he doesn't? He might not. And then what are you gonna do? You can be like, well, maybe maybe I didn't consecrate myself the right way. Maybe I didn't obey God the right way. No, maybe God just didn't want you to go that way. Or maybe he just wants you to chill out on the banks of the river for a while. Just cruise with him. You can't expect God to remove every barrier and problem and pitfall in your life but you can expect God to work wonders in your life. He is the God who works wonders. So when you come to the impossible river, don't immediately start drawing up plans to build a bridge across the river. Don't first thing start looking for wood to build a raft to get across the river. Before anything else, look to your deliverer. Look to your deliverer. The living God is going before you and he is going to deliver you one way or another. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, I don't know what kind of rivers each one of us in this room and watching online are facing right now. Could be rivers of relational conflict in our families. Could be rivers of Physical disease, physical suffering that just won't go away. Could be a river of anxiety and stress at work. Could be a river of depression that we just can't fight our way out of. Whatever it is that's in front of each one of us. Lord, give us eyes to look to our deliverer. We're tempted to start building things and doing things to find our own way across the river or to just give up and turn away from the river. Lord, remind us that when the ultimate river was in front of us, the river of our sin, the river of your wrath and justice, You made a way. You bridged that angry river through the perfect life and brutal death and incredibly glorious resurrection of your son. Thank you for Jesus, the way he made across that impossible river for us. Now, Lord, help us to trust you. In whatever way you might get us across the river or stop the river or Take us around the river to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's in his name we pray, amen.